this opportunity to come before you and hear from your word, not just from me, but from Tim and from the songs that the worship team has prepared as well. God, we ask that you would move in our hearts and that you would renew our minds through the power of your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and sit down. I'm going to be reading out of Exodus, starting in chapter 5, right towards the end there, and um, going through some of chapter 6, and then we'll bounce one more time. All the scriptures will be on the screen today. I gave them all to Elena ahead of time. So um, Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. And um, while all the men are working on proflowers.com to see if they can get it shipped next day for $182, I want to give you a little bit of background. We've arrived here because Moses has already been the baby in the basket. He's he's grown up for a couple years as a Hebrew and then the rest of his life as an Egyptian, a prince. And he's already kind of come and gone from Egypt. He's gone out and been a shepherd for a long time. He's an old man now that he's come back. And God impressed on, on Moses to be the one, and this is something I talked about yesterday at the men's breakfast, to be the one that can set, that, that will be God's mouthpiece and set the people free. I want you to go before Pharaoh and set the people, and ask him to let the people go. go. Let them come worship me. Let them come to the mountain that I, that I picked, my mountain. Everybody say God's mountain. Come to God's mountain and, and worship me there. And Pharaoh's like, no, who's going to make the bricks while you guys are gone? I'm not going to do it. So things get worse, okay? That's, that's the backstory. Pharaoh, Pharaoh's like, you guys are lazy. What do you mean? You're like, there's no PTO. You're slaves. So he says, okay, if you guys have so much free time to think about going off and worshiping in the wilderness, this God of yours, then you guys can make the same amount of bricks with no straw. We used to give you the raw materials you needed to make the bricks, but now we're going to not do that, and we still want you to make just as many. And the slave drivers are giving the foremen, the, the people that are doing these jobs, a hard time. They're beating them. They're, they're being cruel to them, saying, how come you're not making your quotas, Right? Our performance goal was supposed to be 200 bricks, and you guys made four, you know. So the people are upset, and now that's kind of where we're stepping in at verse 22. Moses is, I mean, the people are coming to Moses and saying, you've done us in, Moses. Why did you have to go and and do all this? You've ruined everything. At least we could keep up before. Now we can't even keep up. We're being punished because there's no way that we can get the job done. Verse 22, then Moses went back to the Lord and protested. Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. And you have done nothing to rescue them. This is a bad situation. And Moses is understandably pretty, pretty upset about it. He's, he's questioning God because the people are questioning him. He's like, God, this was supposed to work out. This is your will. You're the one who told me to do this. How come it's not easy? How come it, why didn't he just say yes? 
And then we could have come back afterwards and it would have been totally fine. That's not how it works. Everybody say, that's not how it works. God doesn't always do it the way we would like him to. Then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Everybody say, I will. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh, and when he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. This is the part, like, this is the good part. This is the part that, like, this is one of those things where sometimes when you read your Bible and, and you teach, you, you'll get something and you're like, oh, man, like, this is awesome. But then it never comes up for, like, six months. And then God's finally like, okay, n- now is the time, like, today. Oh, okay, thanks, God. And I could have prepared this a long time ago. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but it did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. I am not, I don't want to make your current trials seem trivial to you because they're hard. Everybody's going through different things. And if you're like just, totally smooth sailing right now, there's no waves on the water, and it's 85 and sunny, I mean, help out your neighbor who's still looking for same-day shipping on Pro Flowers. If you've been going through some things, there's there's a benefit to be had. If Pharaoh is turning up the heat, right, on your life. There's a benefit to be had. And that benefit is that God is going to reveal himself to you, a knowledge of who he is to you that you would not have had otherwise. There's no way for you to, like, to know God, to know him, to know him by name. In the same way, without those things occurring in your life. You just, you can't. It's not the same. And I think most of us, if, if we've gone through a major, a major league trial in our life or something has been like truly difficult, not like, you know, not Mickey Mouse stuff where you're like, oh, this is really hard. No, you, you hit two stoplights on the way to work and you should have left 10 minutes earlier, right? Like that's not, a tr- that's not, like, th- not like the day kind of going bad, but I'm talking about something hard. The loss of a loved one, right? The, when, when your life turns totally upside down, when your kids abandon God, when, real trials. When the slave drivers are beating you because you're not making quotas that are impossible to make. When, life, when, the, when the waves of life are crashing over the bow and the ship is starting to sink and you call on the name of the Lord, you're going to know him in a way that you could not otherwise know him. God is going to reveal to you a knowledge of him that you've never had through this. He's going to use this. You know, it was kind of fun yesterday at the men's breakfast. Dwayne asked me like six months ago, 
to give my testimony at one of the men's breakfasts. I was like, sure, that's totally fine. And it's just like it was one thing after another. You know, it was like there was one that I couldn't be there, and then the next one got canceled, and then I was going to come to that one, and that one would get canceled because of weather. Or, and then we were gone to Mexico, and then we were gone with my parents. for a, We went for a week with them, and it's just like things kept happening. And then yesterday, we finally got the chance for, for me to be able to do that. And it's, it's funny when you look back, right, at these – when you, when you have that 2020 hindsight, and I can see that God used something simple, but something disastrous, right? When, when I spent every penny I had on this, this Jeep that I thought was going to be great, and it turns out that the frame is, is rotten. It's like, well, okay, you know, I had $2,500. It was like every cent I had to my name, and now I've got junk, right? And it seems like this thing that's not... You know, at the time, and now, looking back, it seems silly because I know how to do things like that now, how to fix things like that. But at the time, I knew nothing. And my salvation came through a car. And it was a, it was, it was a junky Jeep, right, that put me in the presence of, of a man of God that, that, that poured into me. So it wasn't even like a cool, like, it wasn't even like a Mustang, right, that, like, I could, like, nickname the Holy Roller. It's, it was a Jeep. A rusty Jeep. And God will use these trials to get you where he needs you to go. God will use these situations, right? When you're in Egypt and things just seem like they just keep getting worse and you're like, God, I'm doing what you asked me to do. I think a lot of times as Christians, okay, like this era, 2022, American Christians, we view opposition as a sign that it's not God's will. There's nothing that could be further from the truth. You have opposition? I wonder why. Does the opposing team block somebody who doesn't have the ball? No, you've got the ball. Carry it. Opposition in your life is not a sign that you've gone through the wrong door. It's a, it's, sometimes it's difficult because nobody's been down the path that you're going down right now. Nobody's cut a path for you. Nobody's forged a way. God is telling you where to go. Send me, I'll go. Right? That's the attitude we should have. Not, oh, uh, it looks like I might have to like get my, these are nice jeans. I, I don't really want to get these dirty in the mud. I have to like, crawl under some things and hop over some things and kind of fight my way through this. You're being blocked because you're carrying something important. I am Yahweh the Lord, verse 2. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. That's a big deal, right? That's one of those verses. Like I, I feel like I say this every time I ever talk to anybody about the Bible. That's one of those, those verses that you can breeze past. What is God saying to Moses? The fathers of your faith, the, the patriarchs, 
you're going to know me in a way that they never could. I didn't reveal this part of my character to them because they weren't ready. Everybody say, I'm ready. That's good. I'm glad you're ready. This is going to get good. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure. Everybody say, I can be sure. Everybody say, I. Everybody say, can. Everybody say, be. Sure. I can be sure. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. I'm not, I'm not telling you to place yourself in this text, okay, because you are not a slave in Egypt. You are not an Israelite. We are Gentiles and proud of it. Maybe I'll make a T-shirt that says I'm a Gentile on it someday, unless somebody already has. But you can see in this text, right, the Old Testament, I've said this before too, is a you can learn about God's character, okay? When you read the Old Testament, you're not necessarily looking for yourself in the text. You're not looking to place yourself in their shoes. Like, oh, man, my boss is really mean, so I'm just like these guys. Well, he's not beating you with a whip and making you make bricks with no straw, okay? He, he may be, a, you know, not a great boss or she. But what you can see about, what you can learn from this text is the character of God. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. God doesn't forget about his people. God has not forgotten about you. He hasn't. He won't. He can't. It's not who he is. He didn't forget the covenant he made with you. Your covenant's a little bit different because you cashed in big time by coming after Jesus did. He has not forgotten his covenant with you. When you are made new, when you are buried with Christ and raised to new life with him, he did not forget the power that he's put into your life. That Holy Spirit's not there for nothing. He has not forgotten you just because it's hard just because there's opposition doesn't mean that he's forgotten you he is here you're going to know more about him than you could have before i am well aware of my covenant with them god does not forget He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten me. Verse 6. Therefore, okay, now that we got that out of the way, Moses, therefore say to the people of Israel, who are mad at Moses, by the way, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm in great acts of judgments. 
I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know, everybody say no, that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. The land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Didn't he just say, I remember the covenant. It's still front of mind. It may seem like it's been a long time. I mean, 400 years, that's a bit. That's a hot minute. But I haven't forgotten. They may have forgotten a lot about me, but I haven't forgotten one thing about my people. Raise your hand if you've ever forgotten a little bit about God. We do that sometimes, don't we? We're like, bah, you know, things are going good. I don't really need to depend on him for everything. Real quick, we remember who he is when things get rough, when we're making bricks with no straw. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. God keeps. Everybody say God. Everybody say keeps. His promises. Okay, one more time. Like It's like after worship service, okay? Everybody say God keeps his promises. Not just to Israelites, okay? This is where I want you to insert yourself into the text a little bit. Because I am serious when I say that if God has placed a promise in your life, you better believe that he is going to make it so. He can't lie. It's not who he is. He wouldn't have made the promise in the first place if he wasn't going to pull through and make it happen. Thank you, Natalie. It's clapping back there. God keeps his promises. You know, I don't know how many years ago it was. When did I forget flowers on Valentine's Day? How many years ago was that? Three years ago? Three or four years ago? All right, I'm going to tell you a little story. Men of this church, I'm giving you an opportunity to not forget tomorrow, okay? You know how ahead of the game I am now? I bought flowers yesterday. Two dozen roses. They're already in vases in our house. Some lessons you don't forget. A couple years ago, Katie said, I want you to wait until after the day after Valentine's Day to get me flowers. They're going to be cheaper. Everybody say good wife. She's a good wife. That's practical. That's very nice. We're going to save some money and get more flowers. I totally spaced. I just was like, poof, like it was like Valentine's Day came and gone. It was, it was out of my mind. It was ancient history. You can ask her. I'm very good at forgetting. It's one of my spiritual gifts. <laughs> I completely forgot the flowers totally, like just 100%, even though the instruction was clear. I want you to do it this way. It'll still mean just as much, but we're going to save some money. And her heart was set on that. 
Does that, does that make sense? Can you guys relate? Hopefully there's some other, you know, like marital trials in the household of faith that are similar to mine. Otherwise, the therapy bill will be in the mail. Her heart was set on, on doing something a specific way. And I dropped the ball completely, totally. She was, it was a, it was a righteous anger. It was holy. It was ordained by God. She was upset. Understandably, right? The, the instructions couldn't have been more clear. It was like, and I just spaced. Just, just, I just kept going. And like three or four days later, she's like, you know, just like think about flowers, man. Like, and then I just like, I like it, when I say it's a spiritual gift. It is powerful. The, the, I mean, the spirit of the Lord is on me when it comes to forgetting. And it just, it like, it, like, went another couple days. And then she was, like, like, re like, like, the power of, like, the fire of God was in our house. And so, eventually, I got her things and, and had to make this big apology. But my point in telling you about where I fell short, where I for forgot, is that God won't do that. He doesn't forget. He he can't. He knows everything. He's got everything. Everything is under his control. He won't forget. He's not going to forget. God keeps his promises. The number one struggle when we know, like when you know a God that keeps his promises, is realizing the source. Because when things are going well, that's when it's the easiest to like unplug and be like, well, you know, life is just going good right now and not be like, thanks, God, you really, you know, provided for me here and there and there and there and this thing. And you move the situation at work and you've given your blessing my ministry at church and, 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 and. We forget about God when things are going well. It's tempting to. You don't have to, but you can. And I would encourage you today to just remember the source, like realize the source. Verify the source. Right? There's a saying, trust but verify. Trust that it's a good thing that came into your life, but verify the source. Was it really Bob or Sue or whoever from work? Or was it God moving in a way that he orchestrated this to happen in your life? Is this, is this really a blessing of, of hard work? Or did God really, you know, like Rebecca at the well, did you water camels that were worth more than you like thought they were? You're not just working hard and doing a good job. God is in the middle of this situation. Realize the source. God will not let you down. I will bring you, we'll go back to verse 8. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. You can underline that in your neighbor's Bible. So choose. Number 9. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. So he did what he was told to do. Moses did what God asked him to, right? Here it comes. Holy Ghost breakout. It's going to be awesome. People are going to be worship. It. But, everybody say but. But they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Those roadblocks, 
that opposition, demonic oppression, the waves of life. Don't let the oppression of the devil, of your attitude, of the waves of life, don't let those things keep you from hearing God's promise. Because the answer that they're looking for is right there, very present in a time of trouble. Yeah, things are rough. Well, guess what? Here it is. This is the big moment. You guys are the lucky ones who are alive. Here comes the realization of the promise. I don't want to hear that anymore. I'm too beat up. I have to work four extra hours a day going to try and find straw to put into these bricks. This is too hard. There's no way. There's no way that God is in this. Don't let the difficulties and trials of life keep you from hearing what God is saying to you. Today, like right now, and through this service, and through his word. It's my kid. I'm really good at ignoring her. So everybody say good wife. I am blessed. What is God's promise in all of this? He repeats himself several times. When we, when we think about one of God's promises, like when I hook into God's promise, he's like, you're going to do this cool ministry thing and people's lives are going to be changed. And I'm like, yes, God, I'm going to work super hard and I'm going to like totally blow everybody away and my sermons are going to be really good and everybody's going to know more about the Bible than they did last week and no, it's not about you. The promise isn't about me. The promise isn't about you. God's spoken a promise over your life. But the promise that he's made is the same one that he made to them. And it's two words, I will. He says it six times. But Lord, Moses objected, my own people won't listen to me anymore. Verse 12. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I am such a clumsy speaker. But, 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 but God, I don't talk so good. Moses has got some sort of a speech impediment, probably. We don't know for sure. Who's doing the work? I mean, you show up and, and like, do, do what God has asked you to do. I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm not telling you to just, like, sit back and, like, wait for God to happen to you, like the things that he's called you for. But you can only do your part and leave the results to God. I can only pour into the catalyst people. I can only pour in at the men's breakfast with my part. I can only do what God has asked me to do. The fulfiller of the promise isn't me. It's not you. It's God. Trust him for the results, and you'll be much less disappointed. Katie says something frequently to me. She says, stop trying to be all things to all men. I can't do it. I wish I could. I'm like, Jesus, if you could just give me like 20% more, right? Like, if I could just be like 1.25 human beings instead of just one, then I could like, you know, like really do a good job. 
I can't do it, and neither can you. All you can do is your part that God has asked you to do. Just keep moving. Just keep going. Do what God has asked you to do, and the results will come. They will. He's the one who promised it. That's why you can trust it. If I promised it to you, it might be hit or miss. But it wasn't me. It wasn't your family member. It wasn't your spouse. It wasn't your boss. It wasn't a coworker. It wasn't a best friend. It wasn't one of your kids. Because those people will always let you down. Not on purpose. But they're not God. They're not the source. Verify the source. God will, God will, God will do it. He will do it. That's the theme for 2022 for Catalyst is God will. He will do it. Trust him, not yourself, not your friends, not your spouse, because they're not God. If you're looking for fulfillment from your spouse, they are going to fall very short because I know I do. Valentine's Day, hello. Got the flowers this time. We're good. God will do it. He won't let you down. He won't let you down. Who's doing the work? God says it six times in this passage. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. In the margin of my Bible, I have get out of the way and do God's will. Just get out of his way. Let him do it. He's going to do it. I can't make people come to Catalyst. I can't force people to come to church. I try sometimes. If I could just grab you by the neck and drag you to church, you'd see how much better it is. I love you. I love you so much. Get out of God's way and just do his will. Not your effort. Put in your part. Don't try. My problem which I alluded to a second ago, is that I try to be Jesus. I just want to fix everything for everybody all the time. And it ends up draining me dry. And then I suffer, my family suffers. Like, but I'm not Jesus. I can't do it. I can just do what he's asked me to do. So as much to you as to me, just get out of his way and do what he's asked you to do. Just do God's will. But let him do the work. Let him bring the results. Right? One soul is another waters, and God's the one who produces the harvest. Okay. Oh, man, Elena, I'm doing pretty good. I told her I would start a little late because I wouldn't be able to talk long enough, but here we are. Who's doing the work? But, Lord, Moses objected, my own people won't listen to me anymore, verse 12. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm such a clumsy speaker. God doesn't need Moses' words, just like he doesn't need mine. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt in spite of what they're going through. We're going to bounce forward a couple pages. Can I say something to you? The devil may have gotten you on round one. That happens. Sometimes. It does. Life may have knocked you back into your corner on the first go. 
When we jump to, if you don't mind turning to, um, I'm sorry, to Exodus 15. Everybody say eight. Eight chapters later. Life seasons are a lot like chapters. I mean, if you think about it, because like if you if you look back at your life and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when when that horrible life you know experience was over and we kind of repaired and rebuilt and moved forward. Or I remember when that good season happened and then it just kind of normalized after that. But life's seasons are a lot like chapters. And what Moses was expecting and what the people really wanted is the same thing that you and I want right now. Right now. That's what they wanted. They wanted right. They, I want results right now. You asked me to do this, God. How come it's not going right? You asked me to do this ministry, God. How come three people show up? You asked me to do this ministry, God. How come it's not blossoming? You asked me to take this job, God. How come it's not easy? How come it's not going right? Why doesn't my boss like me? Why can't I get this account? We want right now. Eight chapters later, through the plagues, through the Passover. We want things to look a certain way. But if, if God, like, remember this. Remember, you can breeze past this stuff. And I'm not a theologian, but I love Jesus. You can breeze past this stuff. If God had given it right now, there would be no Passover. There never would have been a model for what Jesus had to do to be the lamb that was slain. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been there. The Jewish people wouldn't have gotten it in the same way that they that they can. There's a there's a precedent in place now. Sin has to have an answer, and that for them, what's going to keep the angel of death away is is a lamb slain. And for us, what keeps the angel of death away is a lamb slain. It's a different lamb, but it's the same principle. And if God gives it to you right now, you're not going to have the Passover. And you need it. God is at work even when it's hard. It doesn't mean it's fun, but what I'm telling you to do is to be blessed because he is in the middle of this. He is working in your situation. And now that you're done ordering pro flowers, you can tune back in and realize that even if it doesn't apply you to you today, it's, it's going to. It's like budgeting. You know that unexpected expenses are going to come. Have a savings account. Well, guess what? Guess what's in my savings account? Jesus Christ. He should be in yours as well. The Passover lamb couldn't have happened if God did it right now. You're not going to have these experiences to draw back on when you do something twice as hard in 10 years when God is really doing a big work. If you don't have this one to draw upon, the well is deep. He is deeper still. You can do this. The devil may have gotten you on round one, but eight chapters later. Eight chapters is a long time. 
I mean, eight chapters can be like bazillions of years in the Bible. I mean, not bazillions, but it can be a long time. Years. Eight chapters later. Eight chapters is not something I like to look at. It's not something I like to hear because I like things right now. One time. One time I, um, in the household of faith, in my household of faith, we have certain rules. Rule number one is love each other, and I do that because Katie's amazing. Rule number two is Paul shouldn't have stupid haircuts. Okay? And a lot of times I go to the barber because I go to a barber shop because I feel better about a man cutting my hair for some reason. I don't know why. It's just faster. They don't talk as much. <laughs> but I'm just like, you just do whatever you want. Like, that's cool, man. Like, whatever you think will look good. And one time I did that, and they gave me what's called a hard part, which is Katie's, she doesn't like it. Okay? So I get through the day, and I'm like, oh, this looks pretty cool, you know? I look, I look really hip and cool and young again, right? I look 22 instead of 32. And I get home, and Katie sees me. Do you know what she says? Oh, you can guess. You look very handsome. No, you're wrong. It's true, but you're wrong. She, sees, she turns and looks at me after I come in the door, and she says, this is not the haircut we discussed. She is, and she's right, because I should have said to the barber, my wife wants it to look like this, because I can't even see my own hair. And sometimes we do what I just described with God. Because God says, well, this is the way it's going to look. And you and I say, well, this isn't what we discussed. This isn't, this isn't what I wanted, God. This isn't, my hair is not supposed to, my life's not supposed to look like this. My ministry isn't supposed to turn out like this. This friendship, this relationship, this, this was supposed to work out. This wasn't supposed to look like this, God. And eight chapters later may not be what you want, but that might be what God's plan is. And eight chapters later, whether it's your plan or not, is when the victory comes. After everything that happens, after all the plagues, after the Passover, after Pharaoh kicks them out and then tries to chase them back down. And God swoops in and defeats the Egyptians with a landslide, water slide, really, victory, which sounds more fun than it was. Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled the horse and rider into the sea. The Lord 
is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. God's going to reveal things to you through this that you will be singing his praises about eight chapters later. I can't promise you that this is going to be easy, and I don't know who's going through what. I'm not speaking to anyone specifically, but this is what God placed on my heart for you. I can't promise you it's going to be easy, and I can't promise you that your haircut of your life is going to look the way you want it to look. What I can promise you is that God is giving you what you need in this season, in this chapter, because eight chapters later, you're going to be singing his praises when he meets the promise that he made. God never falls short on his promises, not then, not now, not ever. Amen. So today... What I want you guys to do, because the 9.30 a.m. people, I mean, that's like a whole hour extra earlier than the regular service. So you guys are basically the green berets for God, okay? Like, we're like special forces. We repel off the ceiling, special missions. Like, you guys are it. Praise him today and through this week like you know his name. Praise him because you know that he will. Because in 2022, and you watch, that lady right over there is gonna be is gonna be a total beast for God in 2022. I've said it to her multiple times. I said, This is your breakout year. I can feel it in my bones. This is the year. God is moving on her life, and he's moving on yours too. This is the year. This is it. Praise him because you know that he will. Even if he hasn't yet, even if there's six chapters or three chapters or however many stages of life you've got to go through to get there, just know that he will because he told you his name. He is your Passover lamb. All of these things have to happen for you to be who you need to be. So praise him today like you know who he is and that you know that he will because service announcement, he's going to do it. Let's stand. Thank you, God, for this service today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity.